And good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopto, C70th Bat at C70 on Twitter. This is where I usually say with me, as always, is Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and, and uh, Tara Wellman on Twitter. But Tara Wellman doesn't exist anymore. Tara Nichols, uh, now that she's gotten married and is still not with me because, I mean, it's she got married on Friday. Like, you're going to come on a show on Saturday. But we are not without talent in the show now we have wow. alex chrisafulli from chirps um and we can commiserate about the fact that we have been without tara for like a month now alex and it's really about time for her to get back yeah she, she owes me big time yeah I, i'm gonna go on some sort of sabbatical soon <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, yeah I, she gets I, back it's like okay here, do the shows. We're gone. <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm very excited for Tara. Uh, not looking forward to how many times I forget to call her yep. by her last name. Um, so I, I might just call her Tara. As she, She's going to be like Prince or Madonna from now on. <laughs> she's going to be Tara until I'm, I'm confident I can get the last name right. Yeah, I, I think that's fair because that's pretty much how she's in Cardinal Twitter anyway. And Cardinal the people that are going to be listening to these kind of shows are going to know Tara as Tara. So we can, I may steal that as well. Cause I know it's going to be like three years from now. I'm still going to be saying the wrong thing. So um, this is all kind of partly to deflect us from having to talk about what the Cardinals did this week, um, which was very little of anything. Um, they won a game against the Dodgers. They also gave up 11 runs against the Dodgers in one inning. They lost all four games to the Reds, of all people. Um, Alex, this if you had to pick a most frustrating moment from this week, I mean, one, could you? And two, what would it be? I, I'm hesitating because there were many. Right, right. There were different kinds of frustrating moments. It has to be between, at least for me, the first inning with Carlos Martinez the other night and today where they had a dramatic, wonderful comeback to tie up a game that I think everyone had marked as a loss mm-hmm. uh, very early. And, and they came back and tied it up, scored, came back from storm back from seven runs only to then give the Reds the lead back and then tease us very much so in the bottom of the ninth by getting runners on second and third with no outs and, and we're unable to bring that run home. And I don't know if you're like me, but when Tyler O'Neill flied out and, and he made the first out of the inning mm-hmm. and, and he, he popped out in the outfield. Uh, I mean, excuse me. He had infield pop out pop. Fall. What, I, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> that that he, infield, he, infield fly rule type yes, of thing. Infield, yes. infield pop. I, I had a very bad feeling that mm-hmm. this game is about to end, and and it did, and it ended on an awful strikeout. So now that I'm kind of relaying it in my head, I, I think today was perhaps the most frustrating because had they won that game, it it doesn't make the week that much better record standpoint, but just from a the morale standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, coming mm-hmm. back, dramatic victory, you know. Uh, treating the Reds the way they deserve to be treated, which is, uh, you know, beating them in a game like that. The offense finally looking alive in the last, you know, several innings. I I don't know if you feel this way, but, and and I should note that through history, teams often, if if I recall, score the most runs in the first inning. As compared yeah. to other innings. And that yeah. can be for a variety of reasons. One, you you typically have your best hitters up in the first inning, obviously. Right. You know, that's you're allowed right. to set the table however you want in the first inning. And, and pitchers don't usually have a good feel for stuff. Exactly. I mean, and there's that as they, well. So you know, beat Bob Gibson in the first because you won't beat him after that. Yeah, so there's there's likely several things going on at once there. But with the Cardinals, I've kind of felt lately like, man, if they don't have a, a lead after the third or fourth inning, I don't think they're going to have any chance of winning. Like, like the bats have just seemed to kind of die mm-hmm. uh, late in games. And so it was nice to see see them come alive in that inning and especially get a nice uh, – I, I got really excited. felt good for Matt Carpenter when he hit that 
hit that double to uh, to what did that make? Did that make it seven five? Yeah, I think yes. so. Yeah, because then uh, Goldschmidt hit into that uh, unfortunate double play, but then uh, Arenado, no. you know, right. then Arenado doubled it up. Yeah, t- tied it tied it up, and so that was nice to see, but. I, I just don't know what to say. I, I guess it, it, at least they they entertained us today, mm-hmm. which they didn't entertain us much this week. So I will say that about today's game. Overall, though, I, I, I haven't felt this down on the Cardinals in, in a while. And, and I don't think that's just recency bias talking. I, I really feel as though this is not a good team. And not that many people are arguing with me otherwise, but not a good team in a way that Cardinals teams in years past 60 games through the season have often been, you know, hovering around 500, but mm-hmm. I felt better about a lot of those teams than I do this one. And the reasons are obvious, like the injuries and even before the pitching injuries, we didn't feel that great about the pitching anyway. So th- this could be pretty bad. I mean, I-, I can also make a rational case and I promise I'm going to let you talk in a second. I'm, no I'm need. Gonna, it's, I'm fine. I'm going to make, I, there's also a very rational case to make, for why this isn't a big deal, which is one, we are barely over a third of the way through the season. The Cardinals mm-hmm. have played 60 games. They're 31 and 29. And I believe as it stands only two and a half games back. And so if there were only 30 games left on schedule, they would still have a shot at this, let alone uh, 102. So just like every other season, there's probably a team right now that's in first, that's going to finish in third. And there's probably a team right now in third that's going to win a division. Uh, you know, so there's a ton of baseball to be played. But if somehow you we were to fast forward and say, oh, yeah, the Cardinals ended up only winning 80 games this year, I don't know if I would be surprised based on what I've seen. Um, and real quick, another thing I, I thought about when I was looking at the Cardinals record, 31-29, and 29, does it surprise you that they've already played two more games than they did all of last season? Hmm. I didn't actually process that, but you're right. It is, it's kind of weird that I guess that's the difference between playing early in the year and playing, you know, waiting all year to play. But uh-huh. yeah, that is, I mean, it's like, oh, we're already to that point. That is a little strange. Huh. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. And it's very weird to, to think that we're just getting started right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we are just getting into June and the summer months are often what is, is, you know, once, well, once we get through August, we often see what's going on. And to think that last year they had already played the uh, the number of games that uh, you you know for the regular season. Right. I don't know. It just it just surprised me, and just another reminder of how weird and short yeah. last season was. Yeah, and how we really can't take any um, anything from that. I don't think. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's. I think you're right a little bit on the on the bats especially if you're facing a good bullpen now historically i feel like and it did some this weekend as well the cardinals kind of have their way with the reds bullpen i mean it feels like there's been so many times over the past especially past 20 years where they've had these amazing comebacks against a reds bullpen um not when araldus chapman was back there but other than that um you know i think you know those games like they scored like seven off of Danny Graves in the ninth inning and stuff like that. So to see them rally this weekend against the Reds is one kind of nice, but two maybe kind of expected because their bullpen's not that great. Um, but against both teams, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's just it feels like for the Cardinals right now, offensively, it takes so much work to get a run that. You know, if they haven't been able to do it by the third or fourth inning, you're just like, man, I don't know if they've got enough time to actually generate a run. You know, Tyler O'Neill only has two more at bats. You know, I mean that kind of thing, and um, it's it's difficult to see that. And we're getting a lot now because, as we do, as it always happens, uh, a lot on Jeff Albert uh, this weekend and this probably this week when the offense has been very quiet. You know, I know we've talked about it. Uh, we've had this discussion. Um, how much do you put on a hitting coach, especially a hitting coach that you wouldn't think would be tinkering with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, who 
up until the last couple of days have been a bit on the downslide as well. I'm not sure how much of this is, you know, just kind of a slumping versus how much we can blame it on somebody else. Yeah, I don't know either. And to be honest, I never know with a hitting mm-hmm. coach. Uh, I, I do think we've reached a point where Paul Goldschmidt is, this is starting to be a problem. Yeah. Uh, he needs to be better than this. Uh, he, he needs to be better than just like a league average hitter. And was it uh, Friday to Saturday where, and a, and a lot of people made note of this on Twitter, where he just looked awful for his last mm-hmm. at bat to end one game and then his first at bat the next game, which uh, oh, was a total of six pitches and he struck out swinging on both. I mean, he, he was yeah. just looked overmatched at the plate. If that's a result of Jeff Albert tinkering with Paul Goldschmidt, if if, if Nolan Arenado is, who's actually, you know, of all the things to complain about this team, he's he's nowhere near the top of right. my list. Right. Um, but if if Jeff Albert is honestly like has this far-reaching hand and saying like, you know, oh, I, I I know how to help these guys, and is like doing anything to change what they're doing. Um, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Is, is that being reported? That I, I don't know that it's being so, no, so no I, not okay, definitely not reported. Okay. It's more, it's more. You know, the fan People base. Like been, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I think it is fair to have concern about Jeff Albert. Uh, is this his? Are we in his third season or fourth season? Third, third, I think. But again, twenty nineteen was this we're going to put this whole big change into place. And then, you know, 2020 was 2020. So yeah. it's his third year, but how much does it count as like a real third year? Well, how much of, I know they, it was kind of like a top to bottom change mm-hmm. in, in how they were going to approach hitting. How big of an overhaul is that? Is that, is, is it like rebuilding a college football team where you have to give them five years to do like, I just, I don't know. Fair. Yeah. What, what, what sort of, um, because if that truly is the case, then I, I am going to be less inclined to argue, to yell for a pitching coach to be, I mean, for a hitting coach to be fired. I think going forward, if that's the type of timetable we're looking at to, to get things on track. Uh, you know, and there's also speculation, whether fair or not, that is Jeff Albert even all that he's cracked up to be given that he was part of Houston, you know, part of what went down in Houston. And we know that Houston was, and there's no other way to put it, cheating. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been so long and I got so hung over on that story that I, I kind of just bowed out after a while, just because it was just not a fun story to follow. If you love baseball, it was such a, bad thing for baseball i barely even remember i know albert kind of pleaded like i had nothing to do with this uh or at least yeah. some sort of ignorance at least um because at 17 when they did the majority of it he was in the minor leagues that's right that's right and then he came up in 18 and i don't know that i know the focus of the investigation was really on 17 i think yeah um and mlb seemed to not find anything that indicated he knew of or was involved in you know you know take it what it's worth i would say at, at best i mean at worst i think he could have known about it but i don't think his approach was affected by that but i don't know right well i guess i would say if i had to lay down an argument of what i think the problem is you know this mm-hmm. it, it is a player's game and not, coaches certainly make a difference, of course. But if this turns out not to be a good team, it's going to be because of the players on the field and that the management put together. Um, right. and, and probably not a ton to do with with Mike Maddox or uh, or Jeff Albert. And, you know, there's certainly plenty of reasons to be up concerned with Mike Maddox, uh, even though he mm-hmm. does seem to have such a calming influence with the way he puts his – hand on his shoulder that that is like has i don't know why i but i find that so uh endearing uh that that he does that every single time i don't know how the players feel about it uh but he he it makes me like him probably 15 percent more than i would if he didn't do that (laughs) 
Fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I, I, he just seems like a good guy. I, I don't know anything about Jeff Oliver, and I don't know anything truly about Mike Maddox, but he seems like a good guy, and I want him to succeed. I think there's a reason to be uh, uh, just like any other fan would be about whether it's a manager or a coach to be upset with the performance and to say, like, is this really the best we can do here? But the problem is the players just, a lot of them are underperforming or they don't have the right players there in the first place, which is on management. Yeah. And, you know, part of that's injuries. Part of it's not. Um, you know, we have argued, you know, as much as they have done over the last couple of years by getting Goldschmidt and getting Arenado, that there was always more they could do, you know, just to make that lineup a little bit better, a little bit deeper. Um, and I think they're f- seeing some of that now. I mean, you're right. Today, you know, they're in the ninth. You've got O'Neill, Sosa, and Jose Rendon, who, you know, Rendon is had a couple of hits today, but he's not necessarily a guy that you, he, he's in the minor leagues, you know, a couple of days ago because he didn't make it out of, out of camp. And Sosa is a guy that, you know, has been on a hot streak, but has started to cool off. Um, and then after, if you get past them, you had, you had Andrew Kisner day. Are you a little surprised? I guess probably that the, the knee really was bad, but are you a little surprised they didn't at least try to hit Yachty in that spot? Because, that feels like that's a spot that Yachty would have thrived in to drive in you know, at least one of those runs um, in the ninth inning. Jose Rendon's spot? Maybe. Um, yeah, or, probably could have done it. Or, or Sosa's spot. Or Sosa's spot. Um, Although I don't know who you have. I don't know how the lineup would have worked if they had actually just tied it, but still. I wasn't thinking about that at all at the time. Mm-hmm. I... I think he's hurt. Yeah. Uh, or he would be playing. Um, that Now, there's a difference between being able to take, a, obviously, a, a plate appearance versus playing a whole game at catcher. Uh, you can you can do one. You can do both while you're hurt, but one's certainly easier than the other, especially mm-hmm. if you're if you're really hurt. So, yeah, I have to be honest. I, just, I, I didn't think about that all the time. I didn't think about that at all at the time. Now that you bring it up, hmm. He is such a good, <laughs> however much weight you want to give to this, I do believe he is a good situational hitter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll say yes. <laughs> How about, yeah, <laughs> why not? It's Yadier Molina. Let, let him bat instead of uh, Jose Rendon. Or, um, and this is going slightly off topic, but I'm only bringing it up because we're talking about guys who have been in the minors and are getting significant plate appearances. I noticed something today about Lane Thomas, and that mm. is he currently, this is true, he currently has an OPS that is, I think last I checked, 20 points lower than Tony Gwynn's batting average was in 1994. Oof. He had, <laughs> I, I think last I saw, because I, I was Often when when I'm watching a game, I only watched. I was in and out of this game, and I watched like half of it. But often, I as a player's batting, I have their Fangraphs page up as well. And yeah, he has. Did he get a hit today or something? He went zero for one. He's got three seventy five after today, and what's what box score says. Okay, yeah. So he has a three seventy five OPS, and and Tony. So that's yeah, that's what I saw. And, and Tony Gwynn had a three ninety four batting average in yeah. uh, in, <laughs> in nineteen ninety four. That's terrible. And to be fair, Lane Thomas started the season in the minors, so it's not as mm-hmm. though we were expecting huge things from him. And he started, if I recall, the season at. The, in the minors um, because they prefer Justin Williams over him. And yeah. Justin Williams hasn't exactly been that great at the plate either. No. Uh, that said, he, he has almost 50 plate appearances so far for the season. And we just are not getting good production from the bench. Like, like we have, like we were used to several years ago. We used to have a great bench. Uh, I, I'm thinking of like the early Jose Martinez days. Um, and, there seems to be a lot of times lately, and, and maybe this is how every fan feels watching their teams play when they're losing, <laughs> where a key hit from a, a, in a pinch hit spot would have won the game. 
yeah. uh, or, or at least made a big difference. And I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in a lot of the guys that we will have coming up to pinch hit right now, and Lane Thomas being chief among them. Well, and the problem also is because of the injury, some of these guys that aren't doing well on the bench are now in the starting lineup. Like you said, right. Justin Williams, you know, he's got 137 plate appearances and, you know, Fangraph has his war at negative point eight. So, you know, almost a negative win and they're forced to play him in some regard because he's better than Lane Thomas. And that's why we've seen Tommy Edmond in the outfield and Jose Rendon in the outfield, just trying to do something. But it feels like, I mean, I think if it wasn't for the stuff that happened this week, you'd say they should go out and get some sort of veteran outfield type to plug in there. But when you lose Jack Flaherty and when you put KK on the injured list and you've still got Michaelis and Hudson out, you know, if you're going to make a trade and, and it sounds like they're want to soon, it has to be for pitching, right? Yeah. And it almost seems like you're we're being unfair to be that critical when they have this much pitching on the IL but mm-hmm. I'll go back to what I said earlier it, it seemed it felt like a problem before these injuries uh, you know I, I think heading into when did Flaherty get hurt was that what day he got uh, let's see it was Monday wasn't it that is yeah. he yeah he he felt it in like the four he gave up a couple of runs early in Tuesday's yeah, game. Okay. Tuesday game. I think. Well, e- even either way, e- even after that Dodgers series. So mm-hmm. before we, so before even getting swept in four games by the Reds at home, which I think hmm. let's let's let that sink in. That's terrible. But yeah. even yeah. before that, the Cardinals. I looked this up earlier this week, and their last eighteen games were. Something like or eight and ten, I believe. Which whatever they they had played some decent game, some decent right, teams, right. but they had like a minus thirty seven run differential, and that's really really bad. Uh, even over, uh, it might not be the biggest of deals, but to me, it's very concerning to see them when a team is just getting their butts kicked like that. And I, I'm trying to remember where the question was. <laughs> so it was about like like starting pitching is the, the place to go, right? With a trade, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I think so. I it's it's a struggle watching uh, whether it's Oviedo and Gant, and I, I just hate these walks, and I, I hate yeah. watching. I, I think you commented about this today. I hate seeing all these hit by pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wainwright hit two guys the other day. Three, three. Okay, I, I was thinking yeah. of two. Two in the he hit first two game. early, yeah, I think, and they yeah. hit one like close to the end. I mean, you, you just can't have that. Uh, you just can't be giving up all these free bases um, on top of all the walks that are already happening, and expect hmm. to be even a decent team. Uh, I mean, maybe we should be thankful that they are 31 and 29, especially with what I, I can't even imagine what their run differential, although, you know, it was, it was about to be a lot worse before they had that comeback today, but yeah. I don't even know what the run differential is right now, but it's got to be like. Um, well, I was, minus, I was looking. Is it minus uh, or? It, well, it's close. Um, okay. But I went back and looked and I just picked a date because I tried to get, I couldn't remember exactly, but. On the 12th of May, which I think is around the time they finished that sweep of the, or not sweep, but win two out of three with the Brewers. I think it's around that time. Uh Anyway, they were in first place, had a run differential of plus 25. And that's what, not quite a month ago, three, you know, a little bit more than three weeks. And today it's, yeah, I think it's negative 18 today. Okay. Um, So So we're talking a a minus 43. Right. In, in how many weeks? In uh, about less in, in oh, less than thirty half. days, yeah. So twenty twenty five days. So yeah, three and a half weeks. Um, it's yeah, it's tanked considerably. And you know, again, you lost you what you had the the twelve game the eleven or twelve runs against the Dodgers, and um, well, you we went back and forth this week on that. You know, they have lost a lot of games this year by five or more runs because the bullpen just melts down um, mm. when you can't bring in Gallegos and Reyes and, and even Cabrera's not a hundred percent, but even if well, you can't use those guys, things get ugly quick. 
Right. And it's not an aesthetically pleasing style of baseball mm-hmm. uh, watching a bunch of walks because no. it slows the game down. And, and one, it's frustrating. And two, when a team is, is down seven to one in the third inning or whatever it is, it's, it's, you, you don't even want to watch the game. It, it's a miracle I kept watching today's game, and it really only happened because I had like some work around the house I needed to do that could be done in a room with a TV on. And so I was thinking, well, if I have have to get this work done anyway, I might as well keep watching this game. <laughs> Otherwise, right. I don't. I think I'm tuning out because of how frustrated I am with this team anyway. Once it's seven zero. And, you know, granted, they proved proved me wrong today, but, you know, once it's 7-0 with this team, how they've played lately, I I, I don't feel like watching them. Yeah. I, it's rare for me to say that. I don't feel – I'm glad they were not the Sunday night game tonight because end games, like currently on TBS, <laughs> I probably would have watched that instead. Yeah. With the commercials, and that's uh, – <laughs> yeah. Like so. um, yeah, I agree. I, and honestly, I, you know – it was a time where my wife and I could watch a couple of shows and it was seven to nothing. I was like, well, I'll just turn it, you know, we'll do that instead. What'd you uh, watch? You know, uh, we had some tapes. We were way behind on the DC shows from uh, CW. We had oh, okay. a lot of the, a yeah. lot of those shows caught up. So we were just trying to watch a couple of legends and uh, one of the flash we we're, we're weeks behind, because, right. but anyway. Um, <laughs> and so we watched that. I mean, I kept up, uh, I checked the phone every once in a while and saw them rallying and such. But yeah, I didn't feel I didn't feel bad about turning it off because I mean, I, you know, nine times out of ten it was going to be oh they might have gotten a run or two here or there, but you know it wouldn't have been anything. You're talking about the walks and, and the hit by pitch though. I mean that's that's kind of the difference in today's game. You know they walk uh, Tucker Barnhart in the second and they wind up hitting India with a pitch and Jesse Winker hits a home run, a three run home run. That I mean Jesse Winker probably would have hit a home run anyway, but at least nobody would have been on base. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if that's, that's frustrating, is it, it's more frustrating, I guess, because we've seen so many bases loaded in walks and hit by pitches. And it's like, you're just giving away free runs and you can't have, you don't have the offense to give those back. Right. And I, I'm also going to tell you uh, the amount of runs the Cardinals have, have given up going back to, um, I, I guess, May 28th against the Diamondbacks. And, and, okay. and this was, a, and this is going to include two games we won because it's going to, uh, it, it's going to mm-hmm. cover three Diamondbacks games, but starting at May 28th, th- this is how, how many runs the other team has scored. Six, four, nine, nine, two, 14, four, <laughs> six, five, and eight. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, kind of tells the story right there if we didn't even know the other the other side you could just see those numbers and know okay the cardinals are not having a good week right right absolutely um so do you think by this time next week that the cardinals have made a trade i mean this is so out of their wheelhouse because you know they definitely don't like to make significant moves this early in the year but you know, even John Moselock has said, you know, we're not going to call up the prospects. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go get a free agent, but we have to do something. And that pretty much just leaves a trade. Yeah. And I was happy to hear him say that. I have been keeping an eye on the Washington Nationals all mm-hmm. all year for obvious reasons because, because of Scherzer. And they are looking like a team who are probably not going anywhere, uh, even though they are in maybe a division that is almost more of a mess than, um, than the NL central, but oh, yeah, Cardinals but, would be leading that division. So <laughs> that, that's true. Well, no, well, the, Mets, the, the Mets, yeah, were, but wins. they would be, yeah. uh, uh, you would feel confident maybe even more so of the Cardinals winning that division than you would this mm-hmm. one. I don't know. Uh, but the Nationals are currently eight games under 500, uh, tied for last in that division, seven games out of first. Uh, you look at the teams in NL West, and you got to think like th- there's not a, a really good wild card spot to be had uh, if the Giants keep this up, which which they might not. But you got to think both 
the Padres are going to be there and obviously the Dodgers. Um, right. So if you're the Nationals, unless you're clinging to that sort of thing, like, hey, look, two years ago, we were what, 19, was it 19 and 31? Is that the yeah. famous record? Yeah. Uh, okay. Two years ago, we were 1931, and we ended up winning the whole thing as a wild card team. Uh, so we have that going for us, that sort of glimmer of hope. We also like have the opportunity of having Scherzer getting his strikeout number 3,000 uh, in a Nats uniform. And, you know, that's certainly worth something, especially sure. someone who has been that important to the franchise as he has, possibly the best, I don't know, free agent signing of a pitcher in our lifetime. Maybe um, it's certainly one of probably them. yeah, it's, probably, especially for one that changed teams. You know, it wasn't like an extension or anything right, like that. Right, yeah, yeah it's, it's certainly one of them, uh, mm -hmm. if not the best. Uh, so they might they might be reluctant to part ways with Scherzer, and I, and I know you know your question. It was not just about Scherzer, but just basically about anyone. Right. But on the other hand, they might not want to have a repeat of the Harper situation either, which is. Uh, losing a highly coveted player like Bryce Harper and getting basically nothing for it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't even remember what the Nationals were doing the season before uh, that Harper left at the deadline. I do think they were more competitive than they are now. I don't quite remember, though, uh, just because yeah. of the Nationals' recent history. They've usually been pretty good. So... I'm hoping that they would be willing to trade, make a trade. Um, what that would cost us from the Cardinal side, I don't know. I think was it? I, th I think John Larue wrote about this on Viva Alberto's this week, and he he made it a point to note that it would hurt. Um, yeah. You know, but trades like this always do. Um, but e even a rental like this might hurt. But I'm kind. I'd be kind of fine with it. Uh, <laughs> I I. I I have no problem with John Mozalik. I think John Mozalik has been wonderful. And, and I use John Mozalik as kind of like a catch-all for the entire front office. Right, um, right. He, that includes, yeah, that includes Gersh or whatever. But as I, as I said on a – I think it was on the off-day podcast, like I, I'm, I'm missing a little Walt Jockety action right now. <laughs> you know, I want that big – I wouldn't mind seeing that big trade. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I'm not even smart enough to know who – yeah, I'm sure there is some sort of savvy like guy who is just DFA'd or like, did I see like, are, are we going to see Scott Kazmier pitching for the Cardinals? <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of player that I would, because and Alan and I were talking about it this week on on Mutual. That's the kind of thing I feel like Mo does now is just some sort of, you know plug the hole type of move while then seeing if you could stay close enough to trade Scherzer. Cause yeah, the nationals, I mean, yeah, you're kind of right. They're kind of out of it, but I feel like they're going to wait till at least a few other teams are interested. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? You mm -hmm. know, and, and that sometimes is July uh, to try to play a teams off of each other. Um, unless the Cardinals came in and overwhelmed them right now. But, you know, honestly, this team Scherzer would help it. But it's going to need more than it's going to need some other kind of arm to help as well because he can't carry that load now. If you had Scherzer and once Flaherty got back and things like that, then you're then you're rolling. But you know, obliques are a a dangerous thing, and I think it, at best you're looking at August with Flaherty. And I've not heard this. I'm just kind of saying this, but I would say there's at least a possibility that you know, you don't see him again this year. Oh. Oh, I, mean, I don't oh. think that'll happen, but oh, it's man. it's possible. Oh man, yeah, that's not good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, all of this has me thinking about the Cubs, who are have to be possibly one of the weirder teams in recent years. Not just not not just because they were uh, picked to not do that great and they're mm -hmm. so far they're fine but also you look at one of their weaknesses and it's starting pitching and they just traded you darvish in yeah. the offseason you know yeah. they, they sure could use a you darvish type pitcher right now um it, it's just another example of 
I don't know, being in love with the idea of a rebuild, perhaps mm. before you need to do it or should yeah. even should do it. Like if, in my opinion, a team like the Cubs should never have to rebuild. The Cardinals should never rebuild. That doesn't mean you can't have a, a seasons where you're not good. Right. But, but the idea that you're selling off key parts is, is kind of nuts to me. Um, but, you know, we're not here to talk about the Cubs. Um, well, I mean, fun, but... they are relevant because, you know, one, they're leading the division, although they're tied with Milwaukee now, um, which is nice because I was, I was starting to think the Cubs were going to be some sort of juggernaut to take off and leave everybody behind. But, you know, you're right. They they kind of feel like they wanted to do a rebuild and the teams, you know, the players aren't going to let them. They're going to be good enough. And so, you know, what does that mean for their, do they go out and trade for them? Do they, heaven forbid, get into a Max Scherzer um, situation? Which, uh, I don't, I, I don't even want to think about that. Um, but you know, well, well, can they, can they really? Isn't that a lot of egg on their face if they trade for Max Scherzer when they just traded you, Darvin? Like, like, yeah. It, would it be admitting like, okay, we made a huge mistake, and teams don't seem to like to. Admit something like that in real time. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I guess they could. I and I also speaking of the Cubs, you know, if and this is, I guess, the great thing about baseball is that if, if somehow the Cardinals, I, I guess, split against Cleveland and then go and win that series at Wrigley, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're having a very different conversation, uh, or at least like we're feeling a lot better about this team. And that's only five games from now, right? Um, and so that's always been the amazing thing about this sport is that they play 162 games and just a couple of games can feel huge. Now, maybe that's my fault for elevating them to that status that they shouldn't be. But I don't know if you're like this, but my mood and not in a real way where it like actually affects my day in a mm-hmm. tangible way. But I, I do not watch quick pitch in the morning if the Cardinals lost the night before. Uh, right. Uh, I, right. For fear of like having to see the highlights again, but it, but on mornings where they won, I, I am all over that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's funny how much my mood will change from, from uh, or, or just how, how I will feel about this team based on, a sample size of a single game when they play 162 of these things. Right. Like I said earlier, if they complete that comeback today, we're having a fun time tonight, even mm-hmm. though the concerns are still exactly the same. Yeah, we feel a lot. Yeah, I don't know if my mood is that bad, but my my approach to the team changes because, yeah, a two-game winning yeah. streak, it's like, you know, hey, you know, this is a team that, you know, started to come together, blah, 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 and then they, you know, go out and give up 13 runs. and like, this team's terrible. What, what are we doing? You know, I mean, it's – I will no doubt admit that I am not a long-term uh, big-picture type of person when it comes to this team um, pretty regularly. Um, and it, it, to finish with the Cubs – I guess if you want to look to them for maybe some optimism or hope, they started off absolutely terribly offensively this year. I mean, like historically bad offensively that first week or two mm-hmm. and turned it around. You know, I'm not saying that the Cardinals offense is as good as the Cubs offense, but you know, those pieces are there, especially if people start getting healthy. Um, and, and speaking of health, Paul DeYoung's gone out on his rehab assignment um, be evaluated tomorrow on the off day. I know there's some talk he'd go back and then maybe I'm sure he'll be ready for Wrigley. My feeling is he'll probably play on Tuesday. Do you think that he immediately surplants, you know, Edmundo Sosa just goes back to the bench or are we going to see some sort of timeshare type of thing? I think Sosa goes immediately back to the bench Yeah, and, and, and I think he should. And not because, I think Sosa is is bad, or uh, it, you know we're going to see some huge regression to where he's just like unplayable. But Paul DeYoung, whatever you think of his offense, has proven himself as a very dependable fielder, 
and a very pretty average hitter, especially for a shortstop, uh, who mm-hmm. can every once you know go on kind of that two or three week tear where he's he really is seeing the ball well and hitting the ball well. Uh, and and Sosa will be a great addition to that really bad bench that we were talking about uh, earlier. Uh, yeah. he, he will still be a very valuable player. So in my opinion, it should be a situation where we all, you know, tip our hat to, to Edmundo Sosa, because I, I think I was, I, I was very skeptical about the situation when Colin Young got hurt. Right. And, and he is more than admirably reformed in his place. So tip your cap to him and he goes back to the bench, which is, you know, where he should be. He's, he, he might be a starter in this league, but there's no reason for him to be a starter while Paul DeYoung is, is a starter, in my opinion. Yeah. And he has, he has started to cool off. I think the league mm-hmm. is either is adjusting to him or, or, you know, whatever the case may be the last two weeks since they went off to that White Sox series, he's hitting 196. I mean, he does have his, you know, his only home run and, you know, he hit that against the Reds, but, um, and he's still obviously very good defensively. You know, maybe it's a situation where he'll play a little bit of second here and there. Um, I do hope that it means that Paul DeYoung doesn't play every day. Yeah. Like he has for yeah. his whole career. And that could be um, good for Paul DeYoung. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's part of part of his problems, and not all of them, but, you know, have been that he just gets he gets kind of worn down. So, no, well, no I was, I was going to say real quick, yeah, Sosa has cooled off, and it, it, was, it was kind of frustrating the ninth inning. I was about to... Uh, brag about him on Twitter uh, when he was up, had a 2-0 count, I believe, when he was up mm-hmm. with one out and, and runners on second and third, and then kind of chased a pitch outside that was going to be ball three. I, I could be remembering this at bat wrong, um, and and hit a foul ball. Um, and so all of a sudden, the counts the counts two and one instead of three and oh. And, and who knows, if he, if, he, if he reaches base right there, then you know, Rendon's coming up with the bases loaded and one out, yeah. you know, things could have been different. Um, I don't know. Um, I also could re- be remembering the count wrong. Is that how you nope, remember? You're right. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I'm pulling it up. I pulled it up right here. Okay. Two Oh, and then it pretty a out- two one pitch and uh, fouled a pitch off. That was pretty, pretty outside. Um, if, yeah. If I recall. Both, both the, the first two strikes that looked, well, no, the first strike. Yeah. It was outside. Second one, he fouled off was cutting in the zone. Yeah. And then, I mean, really, honestly, the one, the, the two one, pitch that he fouled off is the only one that's actually in the zone according yeah. to uh mlb here so and to be fair that might not be a situation where you're just trying to get on base that's a situation mm-hmm. where you're trying to get, to hit the ball to get that run home right. um but it is kind of frustrating when you, you know we all know what a, a 3-0 count versus a 2-1 count really changes really mm-hmm. changes the at bat and for a pitch that outside uh i it would have been nice to see him go after that pitch and, you know, feast on a possibly a three O pitch coming up, but that happens. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. That's, that is trying to maybe do a little more than you want to, which honestly I have felt like until the last couple of days, because Nolan Arnado has seven hits over the last two days, but it has felt to me some this week that he has pressed a lot, trying, you know, chasing some pitches outside, just trying to do something for this team. And, it's got to be a little bit of that right now for the for the offense in general, just knowing that the pitching staff is the way it is and they feel probably a little bit of pressure to put up as many runs as possible. And that means typically you don't put up any runs at all. Right. Um, I, I'm still pretty pleased with his addition. Um, yeah. He can still, uh, I know several people have noted that, you know, his defense has been disappointing, at least by his standards. Um at times, but he, he can just every once in a while make that play. The the one I'm thinking of from this past week is when he, he just times that. I, I don't remember if it was a runner on first and third or first and second, but kind of like mm-hmm. a chopper to third. And he yeah. times hitting the bag perfectly with just whipping that throw to first. Uh, it, I don't know how many other third basemen in baseball can do that play. Uh, at least as effectively as he does. Um, mm-hmm. And it's so fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I've, you know, maybe the metrics aren't there for him. Um, 
and he has made a couple more errors than I would have thought, but I think to some degree, I kind of never expected to make an error ever, you know, just because he's Nolan Arenado. Um, but there have been some, some plays we have not seen, at least not on a regular basis right. since, since Scott Rowland. Um, because, and, and to be fair, that's we're you know, we've not exactly had really great third baseman defensively in a while, but, there is something different about watching him play defense than anybody else. Yeah. I I think the difference I would say is like, I'm a pretty big Tommy Edmond fan. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he's just kind of like a makes things happen. He's a ball player type guy, but Tommy Edmond's not a player who does things that I think like, wow, no one else, no one else is making that play, even though he, he makes very good plays um, in the field, whatever. He doesn't do things where I'm like, I don't know if anyone else in baseball can act, can make that play. Whereas right. Nolan Arenado is capable of, of, of that exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's fun. Are you, I know there's been a lot of people still kind of buzzing and with the problems that the team is having right now, are you at all concerned about the opt-out clause, especially for this year? No. Yeah. I, neither am I. Um, I would have to be reminded of, of the, the rest of the contract. I know it's pretty big. Um, there's uncertainty on the labor market anyway. Uh, yeah. all, all reporting seems to suggest that he's been eyeing St. Louis and loves the idea of playing in St. Louis. So it hasn't even crossed my mind that he would opt out. Yeah. Now, I don't know, you know, Things can surprise you. I was surprised when all of a sudden Colton Wong was not going to be a Cardinal anymore. <laughs> you know, so every <laughs> once in a while things can happen and you're like, oh, I did not see that coming at all. But I would be very surprised. And is that how you see it? Or, or, yeah, okay. I agree. I agree. I mean, he's, yeah, but wait, you're right. The labor issues right there probably put it out of reach because it's $35 million a year every year for 20 till 24, mm-hmm. then 32, then 27. And then I, I still feel like there's that extra year. Yeah, that extra year of 15 at, at, in 27. So, but you're right. I don't honestly, and I think I've, I've said this a couple of times, we may have talked about it as well. I don't think, I think one of the reasons the Cardinals got such a deal on getting him from Colorado is that he told Colorado it was St. Louis or nothing for the most part. I mean, it was probably either St. Louis or Los Angeles and they didn't want to trade him to Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. they had, they had in their minds, no leverage. Um, I, I think he's worked and I, and I don't think he's one that just wants to bounce around. I think he wants to be a, a guy that wants to stay here. And he said numerous times, you know, I don't plan on using those. They just had to put them in there for, you know, the union and all that kind of stuff. So I don't worry about it, but um, I think John was like making pitching moves will help make sure he doesn't even think about it. So you bring up a good point also in that if there were other teams, if it was a more competitive trade market mm-hmm. for Nolan Arenado, then Colorado really committed some malfeasance <laughs> with that yeah. trade to the yes. I mean, if they had other, what were the other offers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you pay us a hundred million dollars. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, we can't do that. So um, yeah, I really think that that was, he pulled all the levers he could and, you know, and, and yeah, that means the Rockies look like they have egg on their face, but you know, I think that he labor market or no, if he was still a Rocky, I think he would have opted out at the end of this year. Um, and oh, I, I, do, I do too. Yeah. So they got four players. Gomber's been pretty good for them. Um, they got out from under some of that money. Um, it's not, it's not a win by any chance for them, but it's probably better in their mind than that alternative of a, you know, a lottery pick or, or a compensation pick or whatever the case would be. Assuming that even happens, you know, I mean, the CBA changes, you know, it could yeah. be that, you know, that, that gets gone in the new CBA and they would have gotten absolutely nothing for him. So, um, but yeah, I don't expect, I don't expect him to be going, I expect him to be a Cardinal probably till the end of his career, unless there's one of those weird off years where he plays, you know, for the Mets in his, you know, 40, age 42 season or something. Do you think the Rockies and, you know, they, they've been 
bad since since mm-hmm. coming into the league. I believe, along with their expansion mates, the Marlins, just like the Marlins, they have also never won a division. Right. Um, and unlike the Marlins, they have not won two World Series <laughs> <Yes>. titles. Uh, <laughs> do you think it is harder to build a team in Colorado just because of the whole, you know, elevation, all that stuff? Or do you just think they've had bad people building teams not not bad people but people with right. bad ideas <laughs> building baseball teams and it's I, like, like which or is it both or what, what? i think it's a lot to do with the environment just because they have tried so many different ways to win up there you know mm-hmm. they brought in the sluggers they brought in people that don't you know that are the curveballers, they've brought in people, you know, the ground ball pitchers, they've brought yeah. in all these different, or tried to grow their own pitchers, so they kind of used to it. And I think, I mean, when you hear a lot, we heard a lot this, this winter, especially about the Coors effect for the for the hitters of coming to sea level and then having to struggle, and then go back, you know, that, that back and forth may just be too much for, for people to figure it out. I don't, I don't know if they can come up with some sort of consistent winner. I mean, they can, I'm sure at some point in time, they put together a team that can win a division if the Dodgers ever don't win it. Um, but I don't know if they can put together a team that is good for four or five years. Right. What, what do you think? I'm guessing it's a little harder uh, and maybe a lot harder to, mm-hmm. to win there than your, your average baseball city. Um, I, I certainly hope that's the case, although I don't know if I should hope that's the case, because if that is the case, then that's that's a problem. Yeah, you, you don't want it. You don't want a market where it's just really, really hard to win based on something you absolutely cannot control. Um, or, where a team is that far behind the eight ball or even yeah. a little behind the eight ball, just based on, again, nothing more than location. Uh Obviously, they've <laughs> they've had major GM problems recently. That, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, there's that too. That's also the case. So I, I don't know either, but you're probably right. Um, uh, they they have. Um, I, I'm thinking back to uh, who was the Mets pitcher they brought in. Mike Hampton. Yeah, Ham, yeah. I'm thinking of Ham. And, Love the schools out there. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> um, uh, oh gosh, Hampton! I'm thinking now. I'm having flashbacks to was that 2000 and 2000, 2000. About 2000, I think was yeah. the off season of 2000 when they were trying so hard to get him. Well, but it was the obviously going to 2000 NLCS where he mm-hmm. kicked our butts, if if I recall. Um, yeah, anyway. probably. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, I'm happy I'm not a Rockies fan. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean the Rockies have had some really some really good te- good players to come through there. Um, they've had, you know, a beautiful ballpark. Beautiful city, um, beautiful ballpark. Yeah. Um, cool colors. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I like there. I wish more teams had unique colors. Like, how are the A's the only team that uses really green? I mean, well, when there's like 18 reds. I, I will. Well, that's what I was about to say. Anytime I see the Phillies wear their kind of 80s powder blue with maroon, I'm like, you mm-hmm. have to wear those all the time. <laughs> um, because the red and blue and white is like you have two other teams in your division that have those colors. Yeah. Um, no one else wears that. You would look so much better in those old kind of Mike Schmidt type uniforms. Yeah. Uh, I don't I mean, know if you feel the, the same way about. Oh, I don't like powder blues, but I'd rather them on Philadelphia than in, in St. Louis. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree with that. Just to get a little bit of, and you know, the Diamondbacks, what they had the, when they had the purple in their kind of purple and teal uh, in their original stuff, and then they went to that dust desert desert red, and it's like uh, well, now you don't stand out at all. No, you know, just, I I couldn't even tell you. I'm trying to conjure in my mind what a what a current Diamondbacks uniform looks like. And I can't even really do it. I mean, I can tell you what a Luis Gonzalez Diamondbacks uniform looks like. And I can tell you what the, um, oh God, like a Paul Goldschmidt circa like 2015 Diamondbacks uniform looks like, I guess. But 
after that, I, it's, it's, you know, the, the red that you were talking about, but mm-hmm. after that, it's really hard. And I mean, that's pretty, and that's saying something since we just, we had to say the Cardinals out there like a week ago. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it doesn't stand out. I, I, you know, it would be nice. I mean, again, you don't necessarily have to be like, although the Marlins at least have got some I like flair the, to theirs. Yeah. I like, yeah. I like the Marlins. Uh, I, I, I don't like the politics that went into building their stadium, but I like mm-hmm. the stadium itself. It's, it's unique to, the city. I like that they didn't try and build like some retro looking ballpark right. in a city that, you know, got professional baseball, uh, at least major league baseball for the first time in the nineties. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I like what the Marlins have done with their rebrand since uh, going away from the Florida, Florida thing. Yeah. Yeah. They have done, you're right. It's definitely a, a look and a style that fits that area, which is what you want for mm-hmm. teams. Um, and I guess, you know, they're still batting around expansion. If that ever happens, maybe, you know, there'll be another team that uses some colors that are a little bit different. I mean, I guess Pittsburgh's the only one that uses like a gold, right? I mean, and they don't use that that often. Uh, are they? I guess you're right. Um, I mean, I can't think of anybody else right off the top of my head that does. I can't either. Um, you are right, though. When the A's wear those Kelly Green uniforms, or mm-hmm. the, like the, those are great-looking uniforms. Yeah. Real quick, you brought up expansion. Uh, what two cities would you like to see if, if, if that came uh, to be? I mean... I don't know enough about all the, you know, geographics and politics to go around, but I've always felt like, you know, Montreal probably gets another shot. And then, you know, maybe in Nashville, I've, you know, Portland seems to always be one that gets brought up, but I kind of feel like they'd probably go, you know, I think the South may be growing a little bit more than, you know, the Midwest, but it would give, I mean, I know the Mariners would like to have somebody that wasn't, 15 states away to play. So. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I was about to say. Um, if Portland or Vancouver, I don't know if Vancouver, mm-hmm. how much Vancouver is uh, interested in having a baseball team. I've certainly never heard them being discussed, but yeah, Seattle needs, Seattle needs a friend. <laughs> they, they, yes. that, that's, that can't, you know, we talked about things you can't control and like mm-hmm. Colorado, it's kind of the same thing there. Like having a, a super long flight anytime you're, you're traveling it's, it's probably not good but I, I would i think i would want portland in nashville um nothing against montreal but there's plenty of there's a lot of teams in the northeast whereas true those other areas don't quite kind of have more of a barren you know, plenty of people but not as many teams but not a ton of yeah. teams i guess i don't know yeah that's fair i mean his for the historical point of view it'd be kind of cool to have a third team in new york but mm. you're right there's a lot of a lot of baseball up that way um and there's a lot of parts of the country that don't get to see baseball anymore so um although i don't know what kind of blackout rules they would come up with for these new <laughs> ones too but i'm sure they'll if, find something I, I i don't know i for some reason I, I just wondered in my head if like is all of canada blacked out of blue jays games I don't know. I don't know. Well, like surely... if, if you live in Vancouver, please tell me you're not blacked out of uh, of Blue uh, Jays games. That I would hope like not. Yeah, like that would I would bad. hope not. But that makes about as much sense as Iowa being blacked out of eight game eight teams. So you know, maybe that maybe the I don't know. I did those blackout rules cross the border? I have no idea. I, I as either. I was saying that, I started wondering the same thing. But they might because they're baseball rules, yeah. not. You know, and not, they control you know, their proper their yeah hmm interesting interesting all right well we have gone quite a bit longer than expected but it was a good conversation and we will have no gateway next week because I will be out of pocket but um, so this will last for two two shows that's great so um, hopefully when we return on the 20th not only will we have Tara um, superstar Tara back uh, in the saddle, but also better Cardinal baseball to talk to with. But Alex, thanks for joining me tonight. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me anytime. I always, you know, 
look forward to talking baseball with you, even when it's bad baseball. <laughs> well, I'm glad we don't uh, we don't discriminate against our <laughs> in our baseball talks. So, anyway, until next time, that's Alex. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans! Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.